Welcome to Sharpen the Public, an NFL and sports gambling podcast made by bettors for bettors. The only place where you can learn to leverage public betting trends to win more bets. I'm your host, DJ Bianco. Years ago, I started tracking public betting trends for every single game in the NFL. I've been tracking how well the public performs when they are more or less confident, tracking how well the Sharps perform when they're more or less confident, tracking how well a team performs when the spread changes throughout a given week. Anything that's publicly available, I track it. I use this historic information to leverage bets that I, and now we, will make in the future. Seeking out trends to find winners is an incredibly exciting topic. And if you've made it this far, I know you're excited too. This is Sharpen the Public. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Sharpen the Public. As always, I'm your host, Deej, back alone to recap week three in the NFL. I mean, we had an awesome week here at Happy Hour Sports with Andy and I, both going positive on the week. I went eight and three myself, but it was a really weird week for the NFL, especially with the 70 to 20 win for the Dolphins. That was pretty crazy. And then seeing the Cardinals beat the Cowboys. So I'm really excited to get into breaking down this week three slate to get us ready into preparing for week four. But, you know, as always, we go through the sharp and the public trends. That is, you know, the public betting trends that do happen every week. And as always, we are the only people that provide that information. So thank you for taking the time to be with us here as we roll through everything. Like I said, I went eight and three this or I'm sorry, eight and five this week, about two units, thanks to juice and some half unit plays. But happy to see that go through the, the hoop finally. I mean, we're doing good here at happy hour i mean things are going well things are starting to fall into place which feels pretty good as you heard andy and i recorded our last episode together which was pretty exciting and something that i hope to do in the future because there's that added factor of our relationship that you guys it's tough to to bring out when we talk over the phone and virtually and stuff but hopefully as happy hour grows and things start to settle in here we can do that a bit more so as always thank you guys for listening i'm not going to take too much of your time because as this is a recap we want to get through things quickly so we can get to preparing for week four because the week four slate is pretty exciting especially with the Dolphins Bills game that's going to be awesome to see so as usual I'll go through the public betting trends that we always talk about here on Sharpen the Public as is tradition we'll start off with the public which went 10 and 6 this week interestingly enough I mean over the past couple of weeks, week one and week two, I was kind of chatting how they were doing well. You know, they weren't really going too far negative, starting with seven and nine, and then I think eight and eight last week or something like that. To see them go 10 and six now, especially with the way the rest of the trends are shaping up, is pretty interesting. And what's even more interesting is they went eight and four above 55% public betting percentage, which is not something that we traditionally like hear about. You don't hear about the public covering so much you always hear about the narrative of fading the public and that's why we're here to talk about these numbers in depth and and go through what's actually happening with the public betting like is the public bad is the public good so it's exciting to see them go 10 and 6 it's kind of crazy but it kind of fits in with the narrative of why sharp and the public is still here and why we're talking to you guys like this matters like you you fade the public this week and you go 6 and 10 and you're having a shitty week right so there's a lot of things to, to think about before you just go, say, blindly fade the public. And that's not to say that we don't fade the public here. We, we faded the public this week on the Cowboys and won because there are more in-depth ways that you can look at these num- public betting numbers than just saying fade the public. But I'll digress. Public on the over went 4-7, and seven, back to our normal. Public on the under went 4-0, and oh, back to our normal. Again, exciting exciting things coming from the trends this week as we're starting to get back into what we saw last year so maybe the first one in two weeks or a bit of an outlier the money went 10 and 6 that's more back to normal especially after the bad week they had last week one thing i focused on last week was 
seeing the money do so badly, we expected a turnaround because they hadn't done that badly all of last year. And when they did do poorly, they always brought it back. So to see them, you know, and I say they pretty loosely, the money is anytime the money percentage is 50% or higher. So it's not like a they, it's not an actual person. It's just a general, the money when we're looking at the Action Network or any public betting trends for that matter. But as you guys know, all of our public betting trends and data are from the Action Network. We're still working on other ways to get more and more data because there is a limitation to using only the Action Network. But as we stay consistent with the, the trends that we're giving, we are always going to use Action because if you take you know DraftKings data and you apply our trends to it, it's not going to work because DraftKings has, has a different betting consensus and a different group of bettors as opposed to the general betting consensus that Action pulls together. So that's the point of using Action. But like I said, we are working on ways to better our data and get as much information as possible so we can start breaking down book by book or getting more and more general consensus numbers depending on what we want to do that's all future plans for us here at happy hour but that's that's down the road anyway yeah money went 10 and 6 sharp differential went 7 and 9 still not seeing too much positivity coming from the sharp differential but i'm expecting that to change we did see anything above 20 percent sharp differential go three and one this week so that's pretty good you saw the Geico trend between 15 and 19% go 0 and 3, so not perfect. And altogether went 7 and 9. So sharp differential is not doing nearly as well as it did last year. And I'll talk about that when I get to the full trends as through week three. But it's starting to get there, I think, based on what we saw last week and this week. General money percentage on the over went 3 and 4. Sharp differential on the over went 2 and 2. That's pretty typical. And then way more back to normal with the under. Or money percentage going seven and two on the under and sharp differential on the under going nine and three. Back to normal there. Overs went five and eleven, I think, this week, which is much more back in line with what we saw last year. Unders are the king of totals because people like to bet on overs. So Vegas wins when people bet overs. And we saw last year, we saw I talked about it at the beginning, but public betting on the under this week went four and oh, and that's way more in line with what we expect here at Sharp and the Public. So exciting to see these trends in week three start to turn back from week one and week two into what we expect if all of the games you know fall into these categories of things that we expect we can expect a much better result on the bets that we take so an exciting week for the trends i would say but as a whole that brings us to the public being 25 and 22 now that's pretty impressive if you ask me and again i'll bring back the fade the public narrative you'd be very much down 25 and 22, you'd be 22 and 25, and you'd also lose on the juice everywhere. So you wouldn't be having a great year if you just were fading the public. As for the money, backing the money also wouldn't work at this point in the year. You'd be 23 and 24 backing the money. Also not possible, but again, we look for specific ranges that they're good in. We can hit on those as we get to talking about preparing for games and stuff. But anyway, sharp differential at currently through week three is 22 and 25 ATS. Public on the over 13 and 15 ATS, public on the under 11 and 8 ATS. I'm sorry, not ATS, but you know what I mean. Money on the over 9 and 8, money on the under 18 and 13, way back to what it should be. Sharp differential on the over 7 and 4, that's good to see. And then sharp differential on the under 21 and 15. So, from a general standpoint, I mean, I'm pretty excited to see these trends after week three because we were kind of at a turning point, Andy and I, last week where we were like, you know, if these trends don't start turning around, we're going to have to start thinking about new ways to to look at these trends and find new trends. But it seems as though things are starting to fall back into place as to what we saw last year, especially the money percentage and seeing things turn around there and then the higher sharp differentials. 
finally, you know, things coming to fruition there, especially on the under. Having sharp differential go 9-3 to three on the under is a great, great sign for us sharpen the public betters. Otherwise, the only other major thing that I see here is that 10 and 6 number from the public. 10 and 6 for ATS this week and staying 25 and 22 ATS overall is really good. I expect some regression from the public. I don't expect a lot of positivity coming out. I like based on last year, you know, they went 5, 10, 15 games under 500 throughout the entire year and that's more what I expect. So, expect some a little bit of regression as we go throughout the year. But that's enough about the trends. I think the other thing we like to do here on these recap episodes is go through the entire slate, talk about what happened, talk about what happened with the money, who won public money, sharps, whatever. Go through the spread, what happened in the game, why things turned out the way they did, and then also talk about, I like to talk about my leans and kind of walk through my process as I make the bets so everyone can kind of understand where my thoughts are. Because here at Happy Hour Sports, we're more focused on letting people in and understanding our thought process. We're not trying to gatekeep anyone out of, out of information or out of why we make our own bets. We want a community of bettors. We don't want people just expecting us to give out winners. That's not what we are. We're not handicappers, right? So I think it's important to kind of talk through each game individually because it's also the NFL. Like, who doesn't want to talk about football as much as possible? Because I sure as hell do. Okay, that is enough of a introduction to something that is meant to be quick and dry. So let's get into it. We'll start with the Thursday night game that was the Giants and the Niners. The Giants went into Santa Clara to play the Niners as 10.5 point dogs, yet the public was still in the Niners at 69% and the money was on them at 67%, giving them a 10, 2% sharp differential towards the Giants. Um, for this game, I favored the Niners. Daniel Jones and the Giants really showed me nothing for anything. But the 10.5 point spread scared me. I thought it was a little large, especially for a quick turnaround uh, on Thursday. There's a lot of trends out there saying that, you know, larger trend or larger favorite teams on a quick turnaround like Thursday are not great at covering the spread. So that was a bit weary. So I elected to only go with the under. I saw this as a game where Giants would try to run the ball as much as possible, despite Saquon Barkley being out. That's how they they operate their offense, while the Niners have a phenomenal run defense. And I figured the Niners would continue to run the ball as well as they have. You know, they're using Brock Purdy to his strengths, and they're getting quick balls out and they're not really throwing the ball deep yet they're still running the ball with Christian McCaffrey very well and no one really can stop them their offensive line looks pretty good so the Giants run defense is also piss poor so I figured the game would be on the ground most of the time and last week I predicted you know a 30 to 10 type of win for the Niners and that's pretty much what we saw the Giants came out there and did not put up many points I took the Giants under for a half a unit and I took the game under for a, for a full unit so Thanks to some great defense by the Niners and some taking their foot off the gas, essentially. Uh, we were able to hit both of those and start our week off with a one-and-a-half unit win. So that's exciting, reading that game properly. The primetime games give a lot of people more time to focus on one game and, and read into everything. One thing I saw in this game from a public betting standpoint was the public was pretty torn on the over-under. It ended up being on the under at 53%. And that's always a good sign, as we know, like public betting on the under, no matter what the percentage is, because the public usually bets so heavy on the over. But also to see that 12% differential towards the under kind of solidified all of my thoughts, and we ended up getting the win. So good on that, and we'll move on. Next game I see here on my slate was Chargers at Vikings. Chargers went in as plus one underdogs, despite opening up at minus one and a half favorites. Chargers had 51% of the bets and 53% of the money, 2% differential on them. Obviously, this was a tough one, pretty much a toss-up 
it ended up being pretty much a pick'em too. Like it depended on what happened on offense. I didn't think either defense was going to stop each other. I loved the over, and it probably should have happened, despite you know the the Vikings shitting themselves on fourth and goal, and T.J. Hawkinson or whatever. I don't know what down it was, but giving up an interception and on a ball he should have caught. So the over probably should have hit, and the over had eighty three percent of the bets. And I was going to take it, but I talked about it in my article that I didn't take it because. The public was so heavy on the over, which we know from last year's trends are really bad. So I'm glad we stayed away on that over. I leaned Vikings and they had a chance to cover, but they showed why they're 0-3 and why they're terrible at one score games and why, you know, they just were frauds last year and got completely lucky. So at the end of the day, the Chargers defense looks like a liability. Like Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen look unbelievable. They look untouchable and they're going to get Austin Eckler back yet their defense just allows so many points and it's going to be tough for them to win this tough AFC West division. Like I'm glad they got the win at one and two, you know, they prevent themselves from going on three, but it's, it's going to be a hard year for them moving forward. I'm going to continue to look towards overs in these games, you know, Vikings and chargers, they have high potent offenses without any lick of defense. So we'll see if change things can turn around for the Vikings, but I'm not so sure they will at zero and three. It's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs. But they are a good team, and they have a good offense, so maybe they will continue to be undervalued in this market, in this betting market, and we can touch on that in our future preview episodes because there might be some value into betting them, especially if the public decides to to back off and the money decides to back them because they do have a good team. They're just not winning these games. Moving to the next one on the slate, we had Bills Commanders. We ended up taking the under in this game as well as I threw the Bills into a teaser. We took the under on the podcast last week just based on the, the public betting trends, but Anyway, the Bills were minus five and a half favorites going into D.C., our nation's capital, as 66% of the bets were on the Bills and 62% of the money. Despite this number, you know, 66% of the bets and 62% of the money on the Bills, we see this often when the public and money back the Bills, not necessarily a sharp differential, The they often cover. And we find these larger spreads against the bad teams. Josh Allen is phenomenal at covering against, and it, fe- it feels like the this Bills team is falling into the form that they are expected to be. Next game, they go into the Dolphins, and this will be the true test, and I'm really excited for that one. But for this game, Bills Commanders, it really just made sense that it was going to be a Bills blowout. The Commanders haven't really shown us anything against a good team. I felt this was a really good spot to get the Bills on a teaser, especially earlier in their week where they were minus 6.5. I didn't expect the Bills to come out and start 1-2, and two, especially allowing the Commanders to go 3-0, and right? This was a showing of dominance, and it was to be expected, and, and at least in my opinion. The over under 44.5 made sense as well, with 73% of the bets on the over and 15% sharp differential towards the under. I don't know what people were seeing in order for the enough points to be scored by the commanders to, to get this to the total. The Bills' defense is too good, and yes, the Bills' offense is really good, but it's a lot of points to score. So thankfully got a nice two-unit win on the Bills and the Bills' under because uh, the Bills were one half of a teaser that did cash. It's crazy how much real estate Andy has in my head. I mean, I love to place teasers now, especially like I placed this teaser in a 44-point total. It's not even a Wong teaser. We know there's a lot of value to be had in teasers, so I will continue to do it, hopefully, as long as I can continue to cash them. Moving on, we have Saints Packers. Saints were minus one after opening at plus one dogs in Lambeau. Ended up being basically 50-50 public-wise, but with 54% of the money on the Saints. So I ended up putting the Saints into the other portion of the teaser, 
getting that plus seven because I placed it when it was still plus one. And then after my article was released, it was talked about that Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, and everyone was actually in David Bakhtiari were out for the Packers. And I think that's what mainly moved the line. Not my article, sadly, but maybe one day I will have that much pull. But the line moving here was really important because if you got the Saints at anything minus one and a half or more, you or anything as a favorite, you would have lost because they blew a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter, especially after Derek Carr got hurt. So about a lot of th- crazy things happening in this one. But if you were able to put them in a teaser, then you were to cash because the game stayed close. Obviously, the Packers beat them 18-17. to 17, So I thought this was a really good spot to fade the Packers coming off a very bad win or loss against the Falcons. The Falcons' defense is nothing compared to the Saints' defense, as is the Bears' defense. Like, the Packers, in my opinion, hadn't played anyone. So the Saints were a great find here to 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 keep things close and, like, to, to put them in a teaser, that is. And then their offense was good enough to, to hang with the Packers despite playing in Lambeau. Unfortunate the way the game ended up with the, with the spread and everything, but happy to have, have put them in a teaser. It was total... I would have leaned under. I don't think I took anything on the on the total, but 60% of bets on the under and 20, 83% of the money on the under, giving a 23% sharp differential. That's a laser to to take the under there. You know, 43 opened at 43, down to 41 and a half. The game ended at 35. I mean, this was a great spot to take an under on a good defense and a, a young quarterback in not so great conditions. So interesting game, but glad to have gotten on the right side with the teaser. I already mentioned it, that it was a good spot for the Saints in a teaser because of their defense, but I elected to go with the teaser for the Saints as opposed to just the normal spread because the way Derek Carr has looked hasn't really impressed me. As of late, the Packers defense isn't bad by any means as well, so I was hopeful that the Saints defense would keep it close, and I wasn't sure if the Saints would actually get the win in cover. And despite him getting hurt, you know, I think the Saints might have won, but the teaser really saved us. Moving on, we will head to the Patriots and Jets. This is an ugly-ass game. The Jets look absolutely awful with Zach Wilson at the helm. I think there's a lot of issues that plague the Jets, and it starts with Zach Wilson, but their defense, no one seems motivated to play for this team. I lean Jets, but only because their defense is so good. We knew from last year that this game would be close and it would be low-scoring, and that's pretty much exactly what we got. So I took the under. I mean, the, the line moved from 30, 38.5 to 35.5. That's pretty significant. There was also 71% that's on the under and 84% of the money. Again, in line with the sharpening the public trends, sharp differential on the under is a good sign. Public on the under is a good sign. Line moving towards the under, also a good sign. Zach Wilson just cannot put up points. I also love the fact that, you know, we have Bill Belichick against a bad quarterback and he just seems to always do well against them. I didn't take the spread because the Pats offense doesn't look too good to me right now with Mac Jones there, and it's going to take some time for them to, to start clicking still. So I think the other was just the right play. I don't really, I mean, 72% of the bets on the Patriots minus two and a half and 83% of the money. People managed to cash that. And again, a reason that's to show that you can't fade the public. Nonetheless, boring game to watch. <laughs> um, I'll just move on. On to one of the most exciting ones of the day. Broncos at Dolphins. Broncos plus six and a half, 47% of the bets on the Broncos, 72% of the money with a 25% charge differential. So I love the Broncos here because of that charge differential. That was one of the main reasons. I thought the Broncos' defense hadn't played as well as they could based on what was happening to them last year. Like, their their defense looks so much different from last year. What I failed to think about was how good and how potent the 
Dolphins offense is. I mean, they looked unbelievable. I thought Jalen Waddle being out would, would hurt them a bit, but it seemed it didn't. It did not matter. And I'm happy to be wrong in this one. I mean, the Broncos look terrible. The Dolphins look so exciting to watch. So at the end of the day, it was the wrong play. I liked the over, and I wish I stayed with it. But again, 74% of the bets on the over, so that was one of the reasons I, I stayed away from it. As we talked about earlier, public's pretty bad when there's a lot of bets on the over. The day, there's really not much to talk about for this game. I mean, other than the Dolphins looking unbelievable, like world beaters, I don't know what to say. Uh, I think they're going to be overvalued in the market now, and they play the Bills, which is going to be a great AFC East matchup. And I kind of lean the under, which is no surprise to you guys, but we'll see what happens. I'm excited to talk about that one with Andy this week. Continuing to move on, we've got Falcons plus five and a half, moving to plus three and a half. Going into Detroit, Detroit ended up having the public backing with 60%, but the Falcons actually had the money at 56%. So I leaned Lions here, especially with the line at minus three. I kind of talked about it earlier in the week, but starting at five, I liked the Falcons moving to three. I think the, the Lions were going to have the ability to cover just because they could throw the ball way more than the Falcons can, and the Lions defense really took care of business. They forced the ball to try and go in the air, and when the ball went in the air, exactly what I thought would happen happened because Desmond Ritter is not a good quarterback. So wish I went my lean here at the Lions minus three because the sharp differential ended up being on the Falcons, and that's probably one of the reasons that I internally stayed away. I ended up going with the over, and that was a bit of an oversight I think the numbers looked pretty good earlier in the day, and then as the day went on, when I wrote my article, the day went on, the sharp differential dropped and dropped and dropped towards the under, and that's not a good sign to stay on the over. I should have looked more intently as the day went on what the numbers were changing to. I like the over. I thought it was a high potent offense in the Lions that we're gonna the the Falcons were gonna have to keep up with, but obviously at the end of the day, that's not what happened. The Lions ended up putting a good decent amount of points, but. The Falcons just could not get anything done on offense because the Lions took away the run, and once they took away the run, Desmond Ritter did not hit his passes. So, read the game, I'd say, well, I, I shouldn't have taken the over, though, and that was a mistake. Despite the the over moving from 45.5 to 47, we see it go under, but that ended up being a unit loss, but that's okay, that happens. We're here to make profit, not win every bet, right, guys? Okay, moving on, we saw Titans come into Cleveland as plus three and a half point dogs. They had 66% of the bets, 55% of the money. This is a game where I loved the Browns. It felt like there was so much hype coming in from Mike Vrabel being such a great underdog head coach going into Cleveland. This Browns defense is just simply undervalued. Uh, they probably won't be anymore, but not allowing a team to play in the red zone through two games is pretty damn impressive. Their defensive line looks phenomenal. And to get them with a 21% sharp differential with the public on the opposing team just made was a no-brainer to me, especially because I was able to get them at minus three, not minus three and a half. So I loved this play. It ended up clearly being the right one. They're, the Browns defense looks really, really good. And they held the Titans to what felt like nothing the entire game. This Browns defense is going to be very scary throughout the year. And one thing I talked about for their offense was that Deshaun Watson was going to have to stand up without Nick Chubb. And I think he did an okay job with that. I think he's taken a foot, a step in the right direction. Is he what he used to be? Not yet. But he's doing what he needs to do to get the wins. And right now the Browns look like a force in the AFC North without Nick Chubb, which is a scary thought. Hopefully he gets better, and now they have Kareem Hunt, so who's to say what is going to happen with that offense? But 
right now if their defense is holding teams to to not playing in the red zone. I think I think the Browns are going to have a fine time, but we'll see if the Browns' defense continues to be undervalued. Uh, I'm sure that's not the case anymore. We saw in the total here, the total move from 41.5 to 38, which is pretty significant. I mean, you saw 22% differential on the under with a 91% money. You don't have to be scared of things like that. We've talked about that many times before. You know, seeing 91% of money on the under. I didn't take it because I already had a play in the game and I liked the Browns, but that was a great play too. Should have taken the under. Anyway, happy to be up one unit on that game. And we can move to the Texans and Jaguars. So this was another game that I really wish I took because I loved the Texans all week. And I've loved the Texans all year. I talked about it a few times that I just think they're going to be really a, a team that plays teams close. CJ Stroud looks really, really good. And they've got a great core. Uh, they just don't have quite the defense, despite Will Anderson playing his ass off. Now, uh, this was a AFC South Divisional matchup. The Texans went in as plus seven and a half point dogs into Jacksonville to play the Jags. The Jags had 62% of the bets, while the Texans had 78% of the money. A massive 40% sharp differential towards the Texans is one of the reasons I loved them. That big of a sharp differential, you don't have to be scared about. We talked about it last year. You know, there was above 30% sharp differential wasn't really hitting as well earlier in the year, but it kind of evened out as the year went on and even went net positive at one point in the year. And I think it ended net positive as well. But So seeing that large sharp differential towards the Texans was a great sign. But I decided not to back them because I'd backed them the previous two weeks and gotten screwed. That's not really a good way to bet, in my opinion, but I bet with my, my, my gut there, and that was wrong. I'm excited to see them win this game as seven-point underdogs and continue to you know impress people on offense. This is going to be a really exciting Texans team, and I think Houston has a lot to look forward to in the future. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're going to play people close, and that's the important thing. C.J. Stroud looks really good, in it, and, and the Texans are a team that can do that. The Jags, on the other hand, I don't know what to say about them. I think... Trevor Lawrence looks like a shell of himself right now, despite having some more weapons, and their defense isn't playing as well as it used to. So they've got a lot of catching up to do if they want to win this AFC South because they cannot be losing to the Texans. To me, it made sense that 62% of the public was here on the Jags, and it, it also just made sense why so much money was on the Texans. Like They, they were so much value to be had here in 7.5 points, especially with the Texans being undervalued and losing both of their games. The Jags will get there, I think. I really think they will, but they've got a long way to go. So yeah, no units lost or won on that game. We move to the next one. Colts plus 7.5 as well. Going into Baltimore, the Battle of Baltimore, play, facing off the Ravens. Obviously, <laughs> the Baltimore Colts and whatnot, but the Ravens ended up having 58% of the bets and the Colts having 80% of the money. This is pretty similar to what we just saw with the Texans and Jags, like uh, relatively large public betting on one side and then a massive sharp differential to the other side forcing money on the other side and the Colts were the right play I leaned Colts all week but without Anthony Richardson I was a little weary to take them I thought Gardner Minshew would have been fine and you know it's only about a one point difference in spread but my gut got the best of me here I mean I talked about it on the podcast that Andy and I loved the Colts here but I just I just couldn't do it I wish I did you know I mean hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't have much to say honestly about this one because no AR I think Zach Moss looks really good. I'll say that, and I'm glad. I think everyone should grab him in fantasy. He's going to be great. I think he's going to do exactly what Jonathan Taylor would do, and you know maybe the Colts can get something for JT and turn their season around. Who's to say? They they look decent, and with this wide-open AFC South, that the Texans can beat the Jags. I mean, who's to say the Colts can't win this division? Yes, Andy, I did say that. 
I'll move on to Panthers Seahawks. Um, I, I didn't know how to lean here. I think I leaned Panthers. The Panthers were five and a half point dogs. Obviously, the Seahawks ended up with 61% of the bets, and the Panthers had the 8% sharp differential. The Panthers also have a backup quarterback in this game, which is probably one of the reasons I stayed away. If you haven't noticed, when I don't know too much about the backups, I, I tend to stay away. I think it's best to bet when you have the information that, at, at hand. And if I don't know enough about the quarterback or if I don't know how the offense is going to perform with the quarterback, I'm likely going to stay away. And that's okay. From a public betting standpoint, the under looked good. Obviously, that wouldn't have cashed out. But it looked good because of 32% of the bets on the under and 55% of the money. So a nice sharp differential there. I'm glad I stayed away. I, again, too, much, too many unknowns. Uh, the Seahawks at home with Geno look like they're they're turning their corner and they look like a really good team. So I, I just didn't know how to... F I wasn't ready to back a Panthers team with a backup quarterback. Although Andy Dalton did look really good, I wasn't ready to back this team or anything in it given that. I talk about it all the time, but it's always important to learn when to stay away, like when to take bets. Like you can't force anything. I mean, I force things all the time still, and it, it it hurts people in the end. But we can still continue to bet properly and still find ways to win. So that's okay. One thing we did not force was Cardinals plus 12 and a half. Man, I wish I took the damn money line here. The Cowboys, while they do are good, they, they do look like a team that is Super Bowl contenders after losing to the Cardinals, like... This team is good. They are just not, they were not valued properly. They had played the Jets and the Giants and were 12 and a half point favorites against a team that, yes, 0 2, but has played equal quality teams just as well. Not to the Cowboys, but to the Cardinals. 82% of the money, or 82% of the bets, 78% of the money, such a large public draw towards the Cowboys, and none of it was sharp money. The, the slight sharp edge was towards the Cardinals 100%, plus 12 and a half. I didn't think they'd come out and win but I'm glad that they exposed this this Cowboys team. Josh Dobbs and the Cardinals offense looks like a, like a formidable opponent, and I talked about it in, like, in the preseason and, and when we talked about teams that, and futures and stuff, I really did not think this Cardinal team was going to be that bad. I thought people were really kind of jumping to the fact that without Kyler Murray, they would be a team that just could not function, and they're clearly not that. They are, they are built to win, and just without Kyler Murray there, it doesn't mean that they can't do that. So I'm glad they exposed a bit of this Cowboys defense and showed us that, you know, the Eagles are the team to beat in the NFC East, not the Cowboys. So that makes me pretty happy. I didn't see much value in the total. Uh, um, Vegas obviously nailed it, depending on what you got. The game ended at 44, and Vegas had at 44. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, public 64% on the over, 71% of money on the under, 35% sharp across towards the under. I would have leaned the under, but I, I didn't see much value because while I did like the Cardinals here, it could have easily been a blowout, you know, where both teams score 40, it's 40 to 30 or something. And I wasn't really prepared to to make a bet on that, but I did love Cardinals and I'm glad I, glad I took them here. Okay, on to the Bears. I mean, what can I say about this team? Plus 13 going into Kansas City, 78% of the bets on the Chiefs, 60% of the money on the Chiefs. 18% of sharp differential towards the Bears, and the Bears got absolutely murdered. Andy and I talked about it last week on the podcast. Like, with both of these games being 12, 12 and a half, you know, the Cowboys, Cardinals, and the Bears, Chiefs, it just felt like one of them was going to end up covering, like one of the favorites was going to end up covering, and one of them was not. Clearly, that was the Chiefs. And, I mean, I read this game properly. I ended up taking the under. I thought it was going to be like a 35 to 7 point win. 
for the Chiefs. I thought they were easily going to come out and blow this team out, especially with all of the things that are going on off the field for the Bears. But Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift had other plans. They just felt that they had to go out there and get that damn touchdown for Travis Kelsey, and that's the only reason this game went over. There was no reason for Patrick Mahomes to be in this game later in the second half, especially if he had that injury concern. I don't know why they kept him in. It was pretty shocking to me. And I, I, I mean, in my article, I wrote about it like, hey, the Chiefs are going to come out here and go up 30 points at halftime and then take their foot off the gas. But they did not take the foot off the gas. The game barely went over. I'm pretty upset about it, if you can't tell. But, I mean, I digress. That's what happens in sports betting. You got to you gotta take those punches as they come. But I'm so sad that Taylor Swift had to be at that game and, and end up prevent this game from going under. But more back to the Bears. I mean, they have way more issues than just Justin Fields. Like, I don't even know how they can function as, as an NFL team moving forward. But we're, they're going to have to. I mean, they end up playing the Broncos, so they get to face a team with it's just as much backlash against them I mean the Broncos just up 70 yet are still favored away playing the Bears next week like that's how bad the Bears are shout out to you if you managed to to get up and take the 12 and a half with the Chiefs here I, I ended up not taking the, the spread even though I th- thought it was going to be a blowout because Mahomes is really not good at covering large spreads and that's pretty well known and I talked about it on the podcast but we, we took the L on the under and I still think that was the right play Okay, quite close here to finishing them out. We got the Sunday night game, Steelers at Raiders. Steelers plus three, 48% of the bets and 53% of the money. Um, I took the Steelers here, or I'm sorry, I took the Raiders here, and I wish I stuck with my gut. My gut always said, you know, stay with the Steelers, and I've always loved to to back the Steelers, especially with this awesome defense. Like I've said, TJ Watt is by far my favorite non-eagle in the league. But it just felt like this was a game that the Raiders were going to come out and and really take advantage of the Steelers off or Steelers defense because the Steelers defense isn't great with the run. But Josh McDaniels is a fucking idiot. Like, for one, they easily could have put this game into overtime. Well, not easily. I mean, it would have been a tough play. But fourth and four from your own eight, you're kicking a field goal with two and a half minutes left. Like, what the hell are you doing, Josh McDaniels? There was a lot of opportunity for this game to end up in a in a Raiders win and a Raiders cover, but. At the end of the day, I, th- I think it was the wrong bet to back the Raiders here, minus two and a half or minus three. They just did not utilize the run enough, especially against this this Steelers defense that is so good in the air. J- Jimmy Garoppolo getting hurt and battered back there. He looked terrified. Devontae Adams had a great game, but the Raiders offense just did not look like they were prepared to play against the Steelers defense. And then the Steelers offense was really clicking. I mean, Kenny Pickett looked pretty good. And that's kind of what I expected from him for the first two weeks of the season. And I even tweeted that out. Like, this is what I expected from the Steelers team. So it's good to see them get to, to where we think they should be. And maybe we can value them properly moving on throughout the year. It was probably too much, too many points, you know, three points to take the, the Raiders here, especially given uh, a slight sharp differential towards the Steelers. But it's tough to to make the right plays all the time, right? I ended up taking the over on Josh Jacobs' rushing total, and that was obviously the wrong play as well. I mean, everyone and their mother was probably on that, knowing that the rush defense for the Steelers was bad and then expecting expecting a Josh Jacobs breakout because he's been playing poorly. I still think he's going to be fine. I think the Steelers' defense was a little undervalued for how good their rush defense is, just uh, allowing too many yards early in the season. I think they're going to tighten it up and be fine. So this is going to be a really interesting AFC North as the season moves forward. Okay, on to Monday night finishing us out. So Eagles Bucks, I ended up taking the under here. The Eagles were minus five and a half point under, or favorites going into Tampa Bay. 
55% of the bets and 61% of the money on the Bucks. I just didn't see how the Eagles were not going to come out here and win. I was very weary to take Eagles minus five and a half because all the public trends were kind of forcing, like looking at the Bucks. A lot of sharps were on the Bucks. Our defensive line is the best in football. It is insane how good they are. Jalen Carter is destroying double teams as a rookie and allowing, you know, Fletcher Cox and, and these other guys to get one-on-one and get to the quarterback so quickly. It looked like Baker was having, he was in a haunted house as he was trying to stand in the pocket there. They, they did manage to pull one drive together, which kind of scared me for the under, but the Eagles defense really brought it together and brought the brought the house. Public betting trend stand-wise, I mean, 46% of the bets on the under and 80% of the money. 34% sharp differential. Both of these Monday night games were heavy, heavy under candidates. Mainly because, I mean, night unders we know are good. We I, I retweeted tweet about that today. Like, there's there's so much data backing primetime unders, and then this Eagles defense is awesome, and the Bucks haven't really showed us much. It wasn't like the Bucks were world beaters themselves. They have a good offense. They have a good offensive line, yet the defensive line of the Eagles tore them to shreds. It was kind of like we are... We are the Super Bowl contenders. You are a team that might make the playoffs, kind of like tier battle. So I'm glad the Eagles' defense held us to the under here because their offense very much could have went out and scored more points if they wanted to. I mean, they went out and took a nine-and-a-half-minute drive to end the game just because they could to win it easily. So the Eagles' offense looks scary. The Eagles' defense looks scary, and it still doesn't look like everything is fully what it could be. So I'm curious to see if we're, we'll, they'll be overvalued or undervalued in the future, but... I'm excited, excited for this year for them. Lastly, we got Rams Bengals. I was really surprised to see Joey Burrow play here, but the Bengals ended up being minus three. I still leaned to the Bengals because it just felt like their team is, is this was a valued line for them. They're getting them at, a, at an undervalued price, like minus three against a Rams team that while Matthew Stafford looks great and he's making these young guys look like stars, is not quite there. Like they're, they're, their offense is not fully built out and, both of these offensive lines, both the Bengals and the Rams, really struggled. Obviously, with the left tackle, the Rams getting absolutely murdered and Matt Stafford having no time. It allowed the Bengals to come back into the game and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase to finally get into rhythm. Like That's kind of what I expected early on from the Bengals in the year. and It's going to take them maybe another week or two to finally hit their full form, but it's good to see them not go 0-3. It was really hard for me to say, hey, the Rams are going to come into Cincinnati and make the Ram- the Bengals go th- 0-3. I was not prepared to do that. I didn't take anything in this game because of that. With the health of Jerry Burrow, I didn't know what to do. Like I said, I leaned to Bengals and I leaned the under, but I just elected to stay away because one, I was watching the Eagles game mostly, and then two, unhealthy quarterback like what I talked about earlier. I wasn't, wasn't so sure what would happen, but from a public betting standpoint, the Bengals would have been the play, 14% sharp differential with the public on the Rams, and then same thing with the under 62% of bets on the over Still doesn't make sense to me, especially with the injured offense on the Bengals and terrible offensive line, but 80% of the money on the under, 42% sharp differential, both of those casts. We ended up 8-5 and five on the week, about two units, thanks to all of these plays. So, yeah, I mean, it was an exciting week. I'm excited to get to, to week four and talk about it with Andy. It's going to be juicy, finally back on the other side of zero, unit-wise, which is awesome. But, yeah, the season's only just getting started, guys. We've got a lot of trends to keep keeping up with. Things are looking good here at Happy Hour Sports. Thank you guys so much for the support. And as always, I will see you next time. The boys bet better with beer. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sharpen the Public. 
A lot of effort goes into this and everything we do at Happy Hour Sports, so we would really appreciate it if you would follow, rate, and most importantly, share the podcast. Share it with someone who needs to be sharpened because I know those people are everywhere. Thank you again, and we'll see you in the next one.